I'm Cherise Davis, and I'd like to welcome you to Pineapple Talks. Several years ago, I was introduced to the word hospitality. It resonated with me and it sounded so good to my ears. I even ended up going to school to learn about it. These days, I am a professor and guess what my subject matter is? Hospitality. The world of hospitality is a pretty big one. In fact, it is a trillion dollar industry. As a way to help paint a picture of opportunities for my students and enlighten others who may be curious, I decided to interview men and women who play a part in the hospitality industry. So today I am super, super excited to welcome Sarah Malik, who is also a professor at Johnson & Wales University Charlotte campus. She was actually one of my professors. Professor Malik, welcome. Hi, this is so nice to see you after so many years. I know, it's, it's been many, many years. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we get to have a conversation today. Um, so I want to start by kind of beginning your journey. You know, your, your beginning. I always think about before you were Professor Sarah Malik. <laughs> Sarah. And so... <laughs> Let's travel back in time. Tell us about the then phase of your life. You know, where did you grow up? Mm -hmm. What was life like for you? Well, um, thank you, first of all, for asking me to join you. Um, it's a real pleasure. Um, well, um, I grew up in England, um, and I have lived in America for 25 years, but I don't appear to have lost my accent um, just Beautiful. yet. <laughs> um, but I grew up in the north of England um, in a county um, called Cheshire and um, it's a very kind of rural area. We're famous for making cheese and it's kind of lots of dairy um, and the nearest city um, which I grew up in, in sort of when I was at high school was a city called Chester which is a Roman city. Um, but the nearest big city, if you like, is Liverpool, which of course is very famous for the Beatles. Um, but that's, that's pretty much where I grew up. Quite a rural, I grew up in a very sort of small um, village, you know, when I was young. I certainly was not living in a, a bigger town until I was perhaps in high school. So very small village. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you think about your life growing up in this small village where they were making cheese and <laughs> wonderful, uh, delicious things, um, can you recall maybe one life lesson or a value that you learned during your childhood years that you're still applying to your life today? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a very, I do have a very close-knit family. You know, I, I certainly spent most weekends with my grandparents. You know, one weekend with one set, one weekend with the other. I had wonderful aunts. I had lots and lots of cousins. Um, you know, so for me, you know, growing up, um, I suppose it was a very innocent childhood, like a lot of us, um, you know, had. Um, but I think that, you know, my life lessons were all about family, um, you know, making sure that when I was married and had children that I would, you know, raise my children um, the way that I was raised. Um, mm. You know, I just remember very happy memories growing up. 
um, you know, with brother, my brother and with my friends. You know, when, we live in, when you live in a small village, I'm sure a lot of people can attest to it. You know, you go to the same kindergarten, the same, you know, primary school, um, you know, you play after school. So everything, you know, you grow up with the same people. And so I do value, um, what I've learned today is that sense of family and, yeah. and very close friends. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So I wonder, I want to know like what your aha moment was when you knew that you wanted to move into the hospitality industry. Would you say that there was something that happened in your childhood growing up um, mm. that made you say, hmm, hospitality and hmm, beverages? Like what was, <laughs> what was that moment for you? Well, I think that growing up, you know, my parents, my dad worked away a lot and my mom, you know, she had a few jobs. So I was always, as the oldest, you know, sibling, I was always very involved in the cooking. Um, I loved to cook, um, you know, from a very young age. I mean, I was very small. I could had to stand on a chair, um, you know, to cook. Um, my family did enjoy wine. Um, they enjoyed beer. You know, I grew up surrounded by, you know, just food and drink. Um, and I just really enjoyed um, keeping a tidy home. I eventually went into hotels. I'm sure that was probably why. But, you know, I used to love cleaning the kitchen. I still do. I like vacuuming and ironing. So I was kind of a little domestic goddess when I was little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I just want to pause for a second and say uh -huh. I love that you actually said like domestic goddess because I think you know, females, like we reject that idea many times of being domestic and, oh, yeah, you know, but not really seeing that there's so much value in it. And then when you think about the hospitality industry, I mm -hmm. mean, that's it is it is service, it's creating experiences, mm -hmm. it's food, it's it is. Yeah. I love that domestic goddess, mm -hmm. you gotta do something with that. <laughs> yeah I just like cooking for my grandparents they weren't very great cook they weren't great cooks you know my mom wasn't a really I, should, I mean she maybe watched this but she wasn't a great cook um and so for me they were quite happy for me to go in the kitchen um and I was quite happy to cook and wash the dishes and I didn't moan and you know I've, I've always enjoyed that part of it you know and I think that eventually later in my life um I you know when you're at school in the UK, it's like the US, you know, we're encouraged to get jobs. So um, from a very early age, I, I had a job working in, in a market in a vegetable stall, um, yeah. you know, serving vegetables. But um, I eventually worked in a kind of like a cafeteria when I was at high school. I was very young. Um, and I just remember I go in very early on a Saturday morning, um, you know, put all the stuff in the ovens. And it, yeah. it, was, it was just like a kind of a, a department store that had a cafeteria. And I just remember that aha moment was like, oh my God, I really love this. But people would be like, oh, how do you love like putting yes. sausages and bacon in, in you know, sheet pans? And I, I said, well, I do. I used to have the same people coming in every week. And I think my aha moment was really, you know, I was still at high school and I got promoted to a supervisor, a Saturday weekend supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I was I was but 17 and, and most of the people that worked under me were, you know, a lot, lot older. And I remember thinking they gave me the uniform and they were, okay, you're the supervisor. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I had no idea that I had, maybe they saw a little bit of leadership in me that I perhaps didn't see myself. Yeah. I, I love that. So after that point or phase in life, what, was your education background like like what when you finished high school how did you transition into i guess the hospitality, hospitality. 
education, yes. Yeah. Well, while I was, I, I did have more than one job, just like Johnson Wales students, you know, usually carry two or three jobs. Um, after I finished working in the cafeteria in the department store, I would go home, shower and change, and I'd go and work in a hotel um, behind the bar. And um, it's a little bit different in the UK because we can work behind the bar when we're sort of 17, 18, you know, mm -hmm. the laws are a little bit more liberal. Um, and I just remember loving the hotel. It was a really nice hotel. It wasn't luxurious, but it was just, you know, weddings would come in on a Saturday. And, you know, mm -hmm. I love the whole aspect of bedrooms and restaurants. And it was always busy because I can't stand not to be busy. Um, mm. And I remember think, thinking to myself, well, this would be a kind of interesting career, you know, so I just researched it and I wanted to stay close to home because of family. And I ended up applying to a few universities that, that had a degree in hotel management um, and institutional catering, because believe it or not, I really enjoyed that whole aspect of the cafeteria, I, I, school meals, factory meals, that type of thing really kind of... Um, Kind of pulled me in a little bit mm -hmm. so i applied um, and i did get into m most of the universities i applied to but i was a little bit timid to go to london um which is a whole other story i ended up saying you know that is, is that because i felt like oh that's the big city oh yes <laughs> yeah like, i'd only been to london i think once on a school trip and it terrified mm -hmm. me um you know so i went locally i went to a big city manchester which is like third biggest city in England, but it was it was only forty minutes from home. So if I did feel a little homesick, you know, I could could go home. Back home, wimpy. And I just, you know, and I went there for um, really a very vocational degree. Um, it was at the time we still have them in place, but it's very much a we call it an HNDB Tech and. Basically, what you do is you study for six months and then you work for six months. You study for six months, you work for six months. I so love we, it. Oh, it was great because straight away you would know, hey, is this for me? Um, and then you, they would, you really didn't have a choice. You know, first year um, placement, I had to work for Bass Charrington Breweries, you know, just pulling beer, you know, working in a bar. Um, and the second year they sent me to Scotland to work in a castle. So you were just like, that's where uh, you're going, you know? And so uh, I, that's sort of where I did. So I studied hotel management and, um, and you know, institutional catering where I learned how to cook. Wow. So mm. before we talk about your, because your transition from the UK to the United States, mm -hmm. I want to ask you at any point during those years of training you know being in school learning and then going to work was there any parts of that thing that you were like that you didn't like or um i'm trying to get a feel for like was there any sector that you saw that you were like okay i like this this and this but i don't like this mm -hmm. so much yeah i think I, I i didn't like the kind of in the hotel industry i was very resistant to the rooms division side to the okay. to the bedroom the housekeeping the front desk and i think it's probably because i didn't really understand it as well as i understood the food and beverage aspect okay. so i knew that ultimately you know when i started working in the hotel business i would eventually have to embrace that side of it if i wanted to be a general mm -hmm. manager so i duly did down the road but really my early years were more focused on food and beverage food and beverage okay yeah for sharing that. I always think that that's a good thing to ask because sometimes when we hear people's stories, mm. um, we hear like the highlight reel. And, you know, I just thought it would be good to have like that brief moment of transparency where you're like, I love the industry, but I did not, this was not my thing. Oh, know? no, no. <laughs> 
every time yeah. I had to go and make beds and clean the bathrooms, you know, I don't mind doing my own or my family's, right. but somebody else's, it was like grossing me out. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine, uh, the, <laughs> can only imagine the things that the room division. Oh. Yeah, horrendous. <laughs> so uh, your transition from the UK to the United States. So you took that that leap from your small mm. town to Manchester, and then mm. at some point you took an even bigger leap to a whole nother continent. So can you tell us about what that process was like? Why did you leave the UK to come here? And um, sure, how, well, how you felt. Yeah, I mean, before I actually came to the United States, I was actually in Switzerland for five years. So okay. I kind of left the UK and um, I ended up, when I was working for Hilton International, they sent me to Switzerland to do some training with an American gentleman called Don Smith. Um, very, very famous. He, he created menu engineering. And I remember being in Switzerland training and, th and then I was training in actually a hotel school. So it was a school where, you know, international students could come and study. Um, and they asked me if I ever wanted to job, you know, to apply, you know, if you ever get sick of working in hotels, you know, give us a call. Um, and about a couple of years later, I got into opening new hotels, um, ground up, and I was just exhausted. So I thought, you know, maybe I will go into this. And I contacted the dean and they offered me a job, which ended up being, you know, a five-year stay. Um, what happened just by a kind of coincidence is that Johnson Wales hotel, International Hotel students would come um, as part of their semester um, over to the school that I work for. And so they thought it was a good idea if somebody from the United States would go to Switzerland and somebody, me, from Switzerland would come to the United States. Okay. Job switch. Gotcha. So question, well, yeah, question slash fun fact. I don't know if you remember, but I did, when I did my semester abroad, I went to Switzerland and we were in- Oh, Bits I did not know that. Is that the city you were in? Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. I, yeah. I, I look back on, you know, those 11 weeks that I spent there and it was just amazing. Like, It's I a mean, beautiful oh, country. Yes. Beautiful. I mean, yes, we still had schoolwork and I just, you know, still had homework to do. But besides the homework, you know, <laughs> the, the experience of just being there, I mean, the air felt better. I mean, oh, it's, it's just, beautiful. It's, yes, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. But yes, when you mentioned that, I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if that was the same. Yes, exactly. City. The same place. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we could talk about that, but I'll... I'll <laughs> well, the strange thing is, um, well, how I ended up in the United States was because the person that did the job switch with me ended up being my husband. <laughs> That's a fun yeah. fact. <laughs> that is a fun fact. So I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of wanted to ask, but I wasn't sure. I was like, you know, I was very curious to know about your, you all story about how you met. And, but so it was through this experience that you all met each other. Correct. So um, my, basically we just, um, just got to know each other as friends. And, um, you know, when we eventually started going out and decided to get together, we tossed a coin and we basically, you know, decided, you know, should we settle in Switzerland or should we settle in the United States? And um, so I was very, very happy. We made a decision to move over. I move over here to the United States and I've been here. In fact, this month, um, I've been here 25 years. 
Yay! And, and, and loved every minute of it. It's an amazing, amazing country. Indeed, indeed it is. And I'm so, so glad that you took, you know, the, the steps and the courage, you know, to move forward. Because when I think about just the impact you made on my life, you've done that for so many other students. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I think the lesson also that I want to pull from what you shared is how um, the, the choices that we make do impact other people. And mm. so um, had you stay close to home. I may not have had the chance to meet you and so many students may not have come to love food and beverages as much as they have if you didn't make that small choice to move forward. So we oh my goodness. That's, that's lovely. Thank you. Now, Thank I feel, you. now I'm glad I made that decision. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So you have arrived in the United States. Mm -hmm. You are happy. You're in love. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of want to talk about the different organizations and capacities that you've worked in. So, yes. well, I'm sure things happen when you got here. I don't, I know we just talked about you came to the U.S., but do you want to go back at all and flash back to um, any other positions that you had before you came over to the U.S.? Or would you like to just go ahead and start and talk about U.S. experience? Yeah, I mean, I spent most of my formative years in, um, in the UK in hotel management. Mm -hmm. I spent five years, you know, in Switzerland where I've taught hotel management. I certainly did some work there, but it was more sort of private events. And so when I came to the United States, I really had to kind of find a job. So I went back into hotel management. So I actually went from operations to teaching back into operations. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you forget, the older you get, the more difficult it is to do those long hours. You're on your feet, you know, been here, done it. My gosh, this is quite hard work. I've forgotten how hard it was. Um, and I, I mean, I really enjoyed it, but it is different when you have a husband and mm -hmm. we wanted, you know, I, I know this sounds silly, but we, because I'd spent so many years working, mm -hmm. I was in my thirties. Um, and you know, I was in my, you know, late, 30s and I had to then think well are we going to have a family so right. I had two little girls you know very quickly who are gorgeous by the oh, way thank you they are gorgeous <laughs> thank you and I had these two little girls and it just was not um unfortunately conducive to working in the hotel business there was just mm -hmm. no way I could do it it was a juggling act um, so I actually had been a, a visiting professor at Johnson & Wales and I um, approached them and they were absolutely wonderful and um, hired me and I was able to be a mom and I was able to teach and I couldn't have wished for a better opportunity and I have worked for them ever since yeah. and, and been very, very happy, you know, and um, it, 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 was a, it was a great decision because, you know, when you, I know a lot of people out there have children and even teaching with a very, a much easier schedule per se. There were times I would be teaching and, you know, the either school nursery were called or the, you know, the, um, mm -hmm. one of them has a toothache, one of them has an earache, one of, you know, so it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just, I think I have more energy and I could pick them up from school and, from you know, school. spend time with them. Um, and it is funny because, you know, you go back to London and, and my fear of London. Well, my daughter, who is, um, she decided to, she, she actually was going to go to school in North Carolina. And then behind my back, she applied to go to fashion school in London and she interviewed without me knowing and she got in. And wow. then, so how funny, you know, we took her to the airport um, three years ago, two suitcases, 
little American. Yeah, yeah. She flew to London and she's been there ever since. No fear at no all. No fear at all. Wow. And done really well, you know. So I think that, you know, it shows you when you're a little child who didn't even get raised in the um, United Kingdom. I mean, she spent a lot of time there. She was familiar with it. She yeah. had no fear, none. And I think also maybe connected to that is, I think even just seeing the example of you and your husband, um, you, without you all saying it, you all lived a life of taking risk and, and stepping out and being in new and different places. Yes. Yeah, it is, it is a big risk. They watched you do it. So yeah. for them, um, I'm, you know, for them, it just, you know, they were like, oh, it was yeah, why not? <laughs> Why not? It still scares me, London, that's for sure. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Something else I was going to ask you, and I think it was, so once you came to the United States from the UK, mm -hmm. did, you, did you immediately come to Charlotte, North Carolina, or did you no. start Providence campus? Yes, I did. I started in Providence, um, <laughs> and I really loved um, New England. You know, the weather. Um, yeah. was similar to where I'd grown up and um, the people were very similar. It was lovely, you know, and so I was in Providence and then um, eventually we went down to Charleston um, okay. for five years and then I've been in Charlotte 15 years. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, um, it's been a great opportunity, a great journey to sort of move around. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, it, it is, it's not a great upheaval. Um, you know, you do, kind of meet people and say hey don't be friends with me because I won't be here much longer you know yes <laughs> but you yeah. know luckily now I've sort of settled in you know and Charlotte's been a great place to raise children yeah. and both of them have gone to college now so you know it's nice it's amazing because I feel that I remember being a student and I don't know I think maybe on rare occasions I may have seen them with you or just, you know, and then, so then now, like, seeing them, they're full-grown young women, and it's like, wow, like, when did you grow up? And it's like, oh, yeah, they grew up while you were in school, and then the 10 years that you've been out of school, that's when they grew up. <laughs> exactly, and, you know, it's like I was, when you, I just asked you, okay, when did you graduate? It seemed like Eight. two years ago, and you go, oh, no, it was actually it, not and, two years ago. Yeah. It, it's crazy yeah. how time flies. It is. It, it really, really is. So mm -hmm. I now want to kind of ask you about being a professor in, in more detail. So you're currently in your one of your classrooms. So tell me about the space that you're in and why it's significant. And then I want to talk about some of the courses that you teach. Sure. Um, so this particular classroom is the wine room. Um, we also, my colleague, um, Dr. Sophie, she actually teaches coffee and tea in here as well. Um, but this is predominantly where we built a classroom that was designed to, for wine education. So the tables are white so the students can see the, um, you know, the color of the wine and it's all mm -hmm. glass so you can see natural daylight. Mm. Um, and, you know, so this is one of two beverage, actually it's one of three really beverage areas that we have um, here in Charlotte. But this how is the one where we focus on wine. How fascinating. Uh, I remember being a student and, you know, us getting our, I guess our, our, there was a sheet that had all the courses that we needed, classes that we needed to take, you know, for our degree. And uh -huh. I, 
I knew that I was studying hospitality, but there was just still so much I did not know. And I do remember just being so intrigued by the fact that we would have classes that were called like Foods One and beverages and, and, you know, the fact that there's specific areas that are dedicated to like, this is just wine. And then you're saying that now there's a course that's on coffee and tea. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating and it's, it definitely gives credibility to what many people would, um, you know, not celebrate. I mean, my, my family, they used to tease me and they would be like, oh, Sharice went to school to learn how to fold napkins. Like, <laughs> oh, my parents know? used to say that as well. Right. <laughs> Kill people, like, this is a big deal. And I think that that's so, so incredible. So with the courses that you are teaching, is, is beverages the only course that you're teaching or are there yeah. other well, we started off with some, when, you, when we first opened Charlotte, we really only had a couple of beverage courses. I think when you were here, it was sort of beverage appreciation, and mm-hmm. I think it was um, beverage service management. So yes. beverage appreciation yes. was just yes. like a snapshot of, oh, this is beer, this is coffee, this is tea. You know? yes. um, and then a few years later, we sort of started to bring more um, courses in. So for the wine ones, we actually have a sommelier minor now. We actually have five different wine classes. Um, we have like foundations of wine we have new world wines old world wines sommelier capstone Um, we also brought in spirits and mixology so um, we have um, an opportunity for students to learn about distillation and crafting cocktails not really to be bartenders but to understand the whole kind of philosophy behind that Um, history culture legislation Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also built a kind of little brewery area upstairs so we actually brought in beer classes so you know the students learn about beer um they just they can actually brew their own beer um and we also have coffee i know it's horrible when students say it wasn't like that when i was there oh wow and we have coffee and tea so we really do have a lot of different beverage classes and so the students any major can sign up for them because they're electives um so when i teach i have students that you know fashion students you know culinary baking and pastry hotels sports event entertainment you know i have every single major in the classroom and sometimes you know what we what they really forget is every industry that they work in somewhere along the line food and beverage is part of it you know whether you're in a sports stadium having a beer and a hot dog it's still a big part yeah Yeah. whether business person like you 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 work for a financial institution and mm-hmm. then you have to wine and dine a client oh exactly you, know, you, you want exactly. to you know be prepared you know for that so yeah so I, that's right i mean i say to them this isn't just professionally this is something yes. that is knowledge that will give you power and it, it's also just having those that etiquette that sort of angle yes. you know a lot of students who've taken the wine classes have gone to work in like let's say hr you know and then they're bosses find out oh you did wine oh right can you help me you know do this event yes. at the at the bank so sometimes yes. they don't realize how this skill can be translated or transferred you know into their own yes. job i definitely agree with you in that and i think that's you know again just to toot the horn for johnson wells just you know that that mix of experiences that we had whether you know even if you maybe were not a culinary student because you had friends that were you got exposed mm-hmm. exactly from when they had to do labs or something you needed to you know participate or go to their mock dinner or um, <laughs> yeah, that's right that's um, right it's having 
you know, being able to take a peek at different industries mm -hmm. um, in one space. And I think the other great thing is later on being able to collaborate with those people. And so even when I think about the guests that I have interviewed so far, um, many of them are Johnson and Wells alumni, you know, Amazing. they have different, you know, different areas that mm -hmm. they work in, but you know, they, we all share that, that same experience. Of yes. Being yeah. So. Yeah. You're yes. absolutely right. To you're so, it's, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely so. And so with the passion and the expertise that you have in beverages, so I kind of want to dive into that just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, how did, well, maybe not how, when, when, how, what, um, what was maybe your beverage aha moment for you? Well, I think what happened was, um, I was one of my colleagues um, was really, um, I'd spent years, you know, as a food and beverage manager, I'd written wine lists, I'd written bar programs, you know, I'd mm -hmm. operationally done weddings, seven weddings a day, you know, I was totally competent operationally. <laughs> and yes. I understood beverage, but I don't think I was ever, I ever dug deep. And okay. one of my colleagues, um, chef, um, you know, uh, Catherine Rabb, you know, she was down in culinary um, and I was, you know, up here in hospitality. Mm -hmm. And she said to me one day, you know, that she was teaching um, a, it was called the International Sommelier Guild and it was over in a community college. And she said, look, it's kind of tough. It's all day on a Sunday, nine to six, you know, mm -hmm. for about six months, but you know, it's a sort of deep dive into wine. And I said, yeah, that might be fun. You know, Sunday, I don't have to do the house. You know, I'll go out and study. So she really was, she was my instructor. And um, it, my goodness, it was just an epiphany. You know, I just realized that I kind of knew probably 20% of something that was way beyond, you know, what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so she really was my, um, it was my, aha, she was my aha moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I really have to dig deep and really learn more about this subject. Um, and over the years we have studied together and we improved, um, to the point where we, you know, we, we recently, not recently, but we took, um, a, a diploma, which is a really, really high and hard certification, but we did it together with another colleague. Um, so actually Charlotte, we're really proud of the fact that we, you know, there's three of us here that have the WSCT diploma. Um, yeah. but boy, it was hard. WSCT stand for? The Wine Spirit Education Trust. Um, and the diploma is really, really brutal. It, you could take three years to do it. We were mindless and we did it in a year and a half. <laughs> but we actually did another, we were actually doing a diploma, um, a, a similar one in another, um, the International Sommelier Guild, which is a Canadian one. So we were doing them simultaneously. And, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not lying here. I, I'm telling you, I was studying 30, if not... <laughs> 30 to 40 hours a week. Wow. In addition to teaching and, you know, doing family life things, wow. And my kids, even to this day, say to me, you know, they used to say, don't ever study any more wine. They just remember coming, asking where their dinner was. And I'm like, it's over there in the fridge. You know, I was just, it was kind of robotic, but it was yes. just, I really look back and I'm, I'm so happy I did it. Mm. But, you know, that shows a lot about team spirit. You know, if it wasn't for yeah. Catherine, um, you know, and 
Chef Gallagher, you know, doing it and not coercing me to do it, but, you know, motivating me to do it. And we would chat about it. I think that's why I was successful. I definitely would have not been successful if I hadn't had somebody holding my hand and pushing me and motivating me um, through some very dark times. People go, oh, wine, how easy. And you're like, oh, you want to learn every village in Burgundy. Don't know, know, There's a lot of wine. <laughs> That's very impressive. And I'm also, you know, inspired by that too, because you can always still be learning information. Like you, you are a professor at this time and you're still, you know, you were still pursuing education and, 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 you know, mm-hmm. adding adding on. So I think that that's, that's a life lesson that you should always be learning. I, I totally agree. And I learn so much, you know, all the time I'm learning, you know, mm-hmm. it yes. really, it's a perpetual motion. Agreed. It's got to, got to keep it moving. Oh yeah, totally. So that's a great segue to um, the now phase of life that I want to talk about. So keeping it moving into now, um, we know that like 2020 has, brought lots of uh, challenges and it's been very unique in that there's one thing in particular that has affected almost Mm -hmm. everyone and that's COVID-19. And so um, I'm just wondering like career wise, you know, professor wise, what has that been like for you? How has Mm COVID-19 affected your, your work as a professor? Um, as my work as as a professor, it has changed it profoundly. Um, I think that you know we were in spring um, trimester. We yes. were teaching for one week, um, and we were told the whole country, of course, you know, was in trouble, and we were told to um, go home and to teach online. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, you know, overnight we had to figure it out very, very quickly how to teach. I mean, everybody had to teach, but how to teach beverage online. Mm -hmm. We had a dilemma. We have students that are not 21. We had students that were over 21, but no money that, you know, not no, no, no sort of disposable income to buy wine. We had students that were over 21 that maybe could get some wine. So there were so many configurations in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, apart from having to tear up the manual of how to teach and, and basically go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, I just tried to come up with creative ways and it was, some of them were just horrendous, you know, and some of them like actually were, we can't do that again. Um, and some of them were absolutely, you know, the students were like, Oh, that was great. You know, so I was mixing cocktails in my kitchen. I was doing wine tastings in my driveway. And then my neighbor would suddenly start cutting the grass, you know, uh, and then the neighbor's kids would be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now I could have done them in the house, but I had children in the house, like my daughter was in the house studying. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, you know, it was just trial and error. Um, The one thing I will say, which made me keep going and keep Mm -hmm. changing and keep trying was I did not have any students who said, I can't do this. This is just ridiculous. Yeah. It's too hard. Every yeah. single student I taught passed. Now, maybe they didn't pass as well as they'd hoped, but mm-hmm. they passed. But they, you know, passed. they knuckled down. They did their work. They participated. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really nice because what we're doing now, we were doing. We were chatting, mm-hmm. um, you know, on Zoom. We were 
talking about things that probably weren't even related to the classroom because a lot of the students were scared. You know, these were young people with maybe away from their family or maybe family members had been affected. So Mm -hmm. um, I actually, you know, found it a very very emotional time because I wasn't just a teacher. I would talk to them about many other different things. I gave them my cell phone number, you know, which is no problem. I gave it them this term as well. I'm very private. I don't give my cell phone, but the last two terms I have. And I said, you text me anytime. And my little phone was pinging at night, pinging here. Oh, my mum and I are here. We're buying some wine, you know, and and it was lovely. I, I did find dark moments sometimes and it wasn't so much I found work was not the dark moment. Um, I found that sometimes being away from my, to my family, um, my mom, you know, my daughter was in London in lockdown with my mother in the middle of nowhere. And my, <laughs> so it was just one, like everybody in the planet. Yeah. It's been a very, the, I, I know was, was happening and mm. yeah. And, and, and even at, to this point, we're still like, I mean, we, I mean, oh, yeah. I think we have moved forward in some ways, but there's still so much unknown and we don't even know if what we're doing now is no problematic or, I mean, you know, it's, it's very uncertain, very, very uncertain. It is. I mean, even now I, we are doing face-to-face classes, but mm-hmm. we have split the classes. So the classes are tiny, you know, so I, I, this, I can't, I feel like I don't have my mask on because I always have my mask on in the building, but there's nobody here. I'm probably the only couple of people are here at the moment. Um, But the student, you know, so we only have six students in a very big room, all wearing masks, plastic partitions, but we do still let them taste, you know, mask down, sit, mask up, mask down, spit, you know, and it's, it's working. It's working. That's wonderful. That's something I really wanted to kind of, you know, get a feel for. And I'm thank you for, you know, being honest about what worked and what didn't work. And oh how yeah, it's things did not work. And things. Yes. And then, so how about for you? Like, how are how are you managing this time? You, you mean pers- in the classroom or just well, in just general? For, in general, you know, how is mm. Sarah Malik managing? this this time you know I, I i think that i just have to keep saying you know i'm fortunate because i work you know mm-hmm. i'm fortunate because i have a roof over my head and i'm fortunate because i can drive a car and i have food and i know a lot of people in charlotte that's not the case right. um and i know that that is probably a little bit of a driving force for me to stop feeling mm-hmm. sorry for keep myself the attitude of gratitude exactly yeah. just keep positive mm-hmm. Even today, I was really had a bit, you know, you wake up, you're a little, uh, you know, and I came to school and I look at the students and I think, okay, they don't need a miserable person, you know, so yeah. I have to snap out of it as soon as right. I walk through the door, no matter how I feel inside, I have mm-hmm. to make sure that that does not come across to the students. I mean, they know I get a bit snippy with them sometimes, but that's because they don't do the work. Right. Um, but it's, you know, yeah. I don't get snippy with them just because I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it, so I'm doing, doing fine um, and I'm positive. I, of course, in the back of my mind, I worry about everybody and his grandmother. You know, it's just a very, it's very emotional time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, you know, hoping and praying that, you know, this will improve sooner rather than later. I agree. I feel the same way as well. And with, with everything that you shared so far, which has just been so amazing to hear, I mean, it, it, it also shows how many layers, you know, cause like, again, I met you as just, you know, Professor Malik. And so 
as a student, like I'm just thinking about you, my professor, but not, you know, I honest, I mean, now that I'm more mature, but now, you know, <laughs> factoring in that you live so much life and had done so much prior to, you know, becoming a, um, becoming an instructor, mm. when you think about your career and everything that you have done, would you say that you are where you, where you want it to be? Like, how do you, do you feel that where you're at is a place that you actually thought you would be at today? Um, I don't think I probably would have thought I'd got into teaching. I think I would have probably, I mean, a couple of my friends are still, you know, running hotels um, and doing, you know, beautiful job, but their lives haven't changed. Even though they've got married and had kids, they're still doing incredibly long hours and incredibly mm -hmm. stressful and, and they're never really off the clock um, because they're mm -hmm. general managers. I am happy where I feel like where I've got to now is a good place. You mm -hmm. know, um, I do feel there's more room for growth. I don't feel um, that at my age, you know, I have to say, well, I'm a teacher. I'm just going to do this until I'm retired. No, I do. There's a couple of things that I would still like to try and do. Mm -hmm. um, I still, you know, I, I do enjoy, um, you know, doing more education, but, you know, maybe branching out a little bit. Like I, I obviously spend a lot of my working day with students, but I do enjoy, you know, educating people who are not necessarily at university. So I do teach some certifications and, you know, I do those little videos that, you know, and most of those videos were literally a mistake because I was making them for the students. And then the students were like, Hey, put those up on YouTube. And I was yeah. like, what is YouTube? <laughs> you know, what is Instagram? Um, and so, you know, it was the students like telling me to get them up there and get some followers so and I've really yeah. enjoyed that and so I've had some a lot of feedback from people saying keep putting them up because you know um we it's a really fun thing to watch we learn yeah. about wine so I'm like okay I, you know sure I'll keep doing them but yeah. you know it, it's so just like you by doing these interviews you don't realize how impactful they can be um yeah. you know just spending a few minutes just filming things and and people really yeah. do enjoy watching them so where, how, where can people find these incredible videos, which you are providing? In my driveway. <laughs> well, most of the time I put them on Instagram, you know, okay. wine and queen. And, and your Instagram um, is wine queen. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I think it's lowercase wine queen, I think. Or why, yeah, because my daughter did it for me, but yeah. Um, I mean, it, this is what you need to do. Let me set you up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she gave me the title. I didn't give it myself. Um, and then, um, yeah, so that's sort of where I post most of them. Um, okay. And, you know, they just naturally default into Facebook. Um, so, yeah. you know, and I really have to be in the mood to do them. Like some people go, well, where's your video this week? And I'm like, okay, I have to do groceries, laundry. I have to do this, right. this and this. You know, I have to be in the, the kind of zone to do them, you know. But I try and do them once every couple of weeks. Okay. Know? I love that. And I, you know, that's a passion of yours and you enjoy it. And I, I totally celebrate you for doing that. And I'm one of those people that is watching them too. Oh, thank you so much. So is there, is there anything else that like you want to do as well? Or you feel like for right now, that's really kind of where you want to put your focus. Is there another pot or, you know, that you want to dabble in? You know, I think down the road there probably will be, um, but at the moment, I think while well, my daughter, um, I've got my, my younger daughter, she's just got 
two and a half, three years more in college, you know, mm -hmm. just to be stable for her, um, yeah. you know, not uproot her or anything, um, you know, will be, a, it's a good thing. But mm -hmm. I, I'm up, you know, sometimes life takes a strange turn and you end up mm -hmm. doing things, you know, like Switzerland, I would have never gone there if I hadn't just been sent there to do some training, um, you know, so sometimes you just meet people yeah. and, you know, I have never technically applied for a job ever. I always got jobs because I knew somebody or somebody <laughs> asked me and it's who you, it really is who you know, not yes. what you know sometimes. Yes. Um, I don't think I'd know how to apply for a job, you know, because it literally is, hey, you know, so-and-so needs somebody, you know, um, yeah. reaching out to people. You know, I, I had good relationships with Johnson & Wales, so it was really mm -hmm. nice to be able to reach out and say, um, you know, I really, if ever you need any teachers, you know, down the road, I'd be happy to get back into it. You know, I don't think you don't get if you don't ask. And it, mm -hmm. sometimes people get a bit nervous about asking, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, being cheeky. There's, you're absolutely right. And I'm going to take that advice because there are a few things that I want to be able to do with Pineapple Talks. And so I'm going to, you know, take your advice and, and stay focused and, and start doing some, some more asking as yes. well. I think that's a great idea. So I'm going to uh, close very shortly, but there was just another question I wanted to ask, and it's kind of back to the then phase of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a period of time where you were technically the first lady of the Johnson & Wells Charlotte campus. So would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about what that was like balancing um, you know, your role as a professor, but then at one time, you know, your husband was the dean of the Charlotte campus mm -hmm. and then he became the president mm -hmm. of the Charlotte campus. And so how, what was that like, you know, were, what was that like for you? Um, I, I think back then, um, to be honest, I did take a, um, a sort of non first lady role, if you like. I think that um, I, I really didn't, I, I, I did help in some ways, of course, um, but I really, um, it was quite surprising. A lot of people didn't put two and two together. Um, yeah. You know, in Johnson Wells, there are a lot of husbands yeah. and wives that work together and sometimes students don't kind of click. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was okay. I mean, I did some things, you know, I certainly helped, um, you know, did some events and things like that. But I, mm -hmm. I certainly took a more of a back seat, I believe. And I think mm -hmm. what I did do was just make sure that I worked, you know, extra, extra hard. It's always hard mm -hmm. when somebody, um, you know, you are related to perhaps is uh, your it's ultimate the, boss, boss. Um, at the time. <laughs> And um, so I think I had to just work harder and just yeah. be above reproach. It was always kind of, you know, important for me to do that. Um, it was not difficult. It wasn't difficult at all, no. And, um, but I did, my number one job was to be a professor and to teach. And that's, yes. my, that was what I spent probably 99%. Phenomenal at that because I remember for a period of time, I, I didn't know either. I because I think at the time it, you you were Professor Jackson, like you hadn't. That's right. That's right. I had my maiden name, didn't I? That's right. Yes. And so, and and then I think later I realized that, but then it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. You know, it wasn't a. It wasn't a thing, but it was just. I just thought you did great. Thank um, you. With with managing that and. Um, what kind of also mean, made me want to ask that is just, you know, we see so many times women um, have identities, 
but then they're also married to someone who has a very strong dominant role and not that they're dominant or strong, but they're the role that they have. And so um, I, I just think you did s such a great job with still being you. And like you said, like your job was to be here to be a professor and, um, and you did that and th there was no distractions or any, no, any no. Yeah, and I thought that you just, you did so great. So that Thank was- Thank you wonderful. so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, well, I could talk to you all day, but I am going to be mindful of your time and um, maybe we can do this again sometime soon. But Absolutely, um, I'd be more than happy to. Yay, I thank you for that because I will definitely reach back out to you. Um, so yes, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your your insight, uh, your perspectives, your 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 life's history in hospitality and food and beverages. And um, before we go, what's just maybe one thing you want to say to students um, that maybe they could benefit from hearing right now from a, from a professor to a student, what's, you know, a piece of advice you would give them? Well, well I think one thing is not necessarily looking at me, but it's looking at you. I mean, look at you. I mean, you are so beautiful and poised and confident. And I do remember you. I remember you so oh. vividly. I remember most of my students. I mean, they, they sometimes say to me, you know, they'll send me an email. Oh, hi, this is Sharice. I'm in your, you know, nine o'clock class. And I'm like, yes, I know. I see you yes. um, four times a week, you know, yeah. a week. I always remember students. And I, and I think when I look at, you know, alumni like you that have just got so much, you know, confidence I couldn't do what you're doing today. I mean, this is like very nerve wracking for me. I wouldn't even know how to answer question, ask questions. You're doing oh. such a great job. So yeah. I, I think what students have got to take away from this is, you know, you, when you're a student, you're a student, but then once yeah. that ends, it's like the teachers are pushing you off a cliff and saying, okay, good luck. You good know, luck. And then you just blossom and you bloom yeah. and you just, be, you just develop. And, you know, and that, that is what makes our job worthwhile when we see you years on and you're just yeah. like fabulous and that's yeah. what makes us happy yes well that's a beautiful closing thank you so very much professor malik and i wish you all the best and we'll be in touch very very soon and um thank you so much thank you, you thank are you. welcome thanks for listening be sure to like subscribe and share pineapple talks